Please listen carefully. I feel like I'm going to get heated today. I don't know why. I just have a lot of feelings. <laughs> That's fair. I have a lot of feelings too. I think we'll go to our next crossover. Wow, my mom died at this very, very rare movie called Alien versus Predator. So excited. <laughs> so I was really struggling to figure out a crossover, and I had like a list of them. Like, should I talk about, like, uh, Yash had suggested uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and uh, 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 New Girl. New Girl yeah. as an option, and like various other things. And then I remembered this movie called AVP, Alien versus Predator. And I'm like, yes, this is my time to talk about this random 2004 movie. So um, as you can tell, Alien versus Predator pits two franchises together, two very famous franchises. There's the Alien franchise, um, which began with the first movie, Alien, uh, in 1979, that's when it came out, and it starred Sigourney Weaver as um, Ellen Ripley, which is a huge female character um, that everyone references in pop culture, specifically in the sci-fi genre. Um, and that franchise essentially, what I didn't, okay, so fun fact, I haven't seen any of the movies. <laughs> I've only seen one movie in this franchise, which is Prometheus. I don't know how I feel about Prometheus, to be quite <laughs> frank. It was a wild ride in theater. In theater, I saw Prometheus and I left going, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> I don't know if I liked it. I don't know if I hated it. It was, it was there. Um, and, and so what I discovered in my research into th these franchises is the fact that the Alien franchise, even though it's a lot of these films are set in like the, like the first few were like 1970s, 80s. Um, featuring Sigoni Reaver, uh, they are actually set in like the like the distant no near future. So like uh, later end of the twenty first century, or I guess no, it was seventy nine. So yes, twenty first century. I'm like I'm in the twenty first century. This is not the future. Um, no, it's the twenty first century t between the twenty first and twenty fourth century. So it's like a future movie, and essentially humans are in space and. Um, they're dealing with these aliens that they've had previous contact with. Uh, and these aliens are just called aliens, uh, which is hilarious when I get to the predator part, but they're essentially parasitic in the sense that they, uh, when their egglings hatch, they have to enter a host, um, unfortunately the humans in this case, um, and they're, they're termed like chest busters because they go in, they incubate, and then they come f f like little baby aliens right out of your chest. Um, and the host dies, obviously. And so it does the thing that I love, which is a movie in which one by one people die. Uh, <laughs> so that's the Alien franchise. Uh, then you have the Predator franchise. The Predator franchise began with the first movie in 1987, starring our boy Arnold Schwarzenegger before he became the governor of California and suddenly brings out his Ronin sword when talking about democracy because, you know, neo-Nazis stormed the Capitol, but whatever, whatever, you know, things change in a few decades. Um, <laughs> So like the Predator, the first Predator, also I feel like I've seen the first Predator like when I was a kid, but once again, I don't think I've seen any movie in the Predator franchise. Um, I feel like I've seen the first one, but I can't actually tell you what necessarily happens in it. But based on my research, uh, the Predator, so it was a movie in which Arnold Schwarzenegger takes a bunch of like other like seal team six folks i don't know it's like an international crew whatever um and they go and find like uh, a missing like uh international delegate i don't know where they're from uh but it's an important person who's lost in the forest of central uh south america or central america um and uh, they unfortunately meet up with the predator and the predator is also an alien which is why alien versus predator is hilarious but uh, the predator comes from an advanced alien race, race of warriors who come down to earth and just, they essentially, I'll get to it when I talk about alien versus predator, but they essentially do things um, as part of like a way to uh, experience like manhood or whatever it is. Uh, they have to go and like hunt and like display their skills in some way. So they end up hunting Arnold, our boy and their friends. Um, and again, 
great because you get to see people get picked off one by one. So that's like the two, and this alien race is like high tech, right? Super high tech, smarter than all of us. Then you have the beauty that is uh, AVP, Alien versus Predator. It's a movie that was that came out in 2004 and within the world of the movie, set in 2004. I know, amazing. Um, it is actually what's cool about it is that it's a prequel to the Alien franchise. So it's set in 2004, and the Alien franchise, like I said, is the 21st to 24th century, roughly. Um, and it's a spin-off of the Predator franchise. And so you have essentially this main character named Alexa Woods, played by my girl, Sana Latham. No, Sana, <laughs> Sana Latham, um, who is this lovely black woman who's in a ton of stuff. You would recognize her if you've seen her. Um, and she plays this environmental technician who works part-time for an event, um, environmental nonprofit. And then the other part of her time, she is an, a guide on ice expeditions. So like going up, you know, ice mountains, I don't know, mountains with ice, location, locales with ice. She knows how to navigate cold places, essentially, is what her job description is. And she is uh, asked by this rich billionaire or millionaire, whatever, named Charles Bishop Whalen. Now, this is where you get the first entry into the crossover because Whalen uh, Industries or like Whalen Utani Industries is what they're called or whatever in the future, the 21st century, uh, are heavily involved in the Alien franchise. Um, and so you get to see the first glimpse into that. How do I know this if I haven't seen it? Google, homie. <laughs> um, and so he sends this black British man to find her and... Um, uh, get her to join this expedition. He doesn't tell her what it is. He's like, listen, there's moolah in which we can give to your nonprofit if you come and listen to what we have to say. And she's like, all right, cool. And so you also also get to see this other guy who's this Italian in, um, I think, Mexico or somewhere where he is doing a dig and needs more money. And then this British black guy's like, ooh, this rich guy wants your expertise. He'll give you money for your dig if you come and listen to what he has to say. They're like, so now you have a bunch of hired mercenary folk on this ice boat um, in the middle of like Antarctica and they debrief. So you get to meet Charles Bishop Whalen, this old ass man um, on this boat. And he's like, listen, so we picked up some weird shit happening on this remote ice island. Okay, and there's, and it's like a heat signature and stuff, and we mapped it up and we realized there's a whole ass pyramid under the ice. And what we want you scientists to do is to come and take us down the ice to see the pyramids um, because we, I want, I am dying, which uh, Alexa finds out when she initially says, fuck no. Um, I don't actually know if I can swear on this podcast, but F no. Um, and she, and she, uh, she, he's like, I'm dying. This is my legacy. I don't want to die before uh, I make a name for myself and am not forgotten. And so he tells them, yeah, this is what's happening. And she's like, great, we'll spend three weeks training everyone so we can go down this ice. And he's like, LOL, I'm dying. Not enough time. And she's like, yeah, cool. I'm not going to take a bunch of people who can't do shit and die. So adios, amigos. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, cool. We're just gonna add this random guy who has no experience on the ice. She's like, no, you should ask these other two people. And he's like, uh, they both said no. I'm like, first of all, the disrespect. You asked two other men before my girl Alexa Woods, rude. Um, also should indicate to you that this is probably not safe. So in the end she says yes, because she's a good person. She doesn't want everyone to die. When really what she should have done is taken the money and run. Mm -hmm. So the group go down to this pyramid, which is shown to have like, various elements of various pyramids around the world so like egypt elements and aztec elements and all of that while all this is happening we get to see the predator um because the movie also opens where the predator just weighs like lays waste to a like a mining colony or something uh, in 1904 that had set up shop right above the pyramid without knowing it existed and was getting murdered by uh, the predator. And so the predator's like, all right, it's time for my <laughs> century old tradition of going down and killing me some aliens. Oh, what? There are human beings in this pyramid? That's strange. And then goes down. And so they end up going to this place, realize there's a tunnel that was already drilled in using some high-tech technology no one's ever seen before. And what, do they, uh, what does this billionaire person do? He's like, all right, chill, let's go down. 
You're like, what? So they go down, they see the pyramid, all is Gucci. They're like, this is excellent. And then the girl, uh, Alexa's like, great. So we, I've got you down. You're officially the first people to discover this. Let's head back up and actually like train people and stuff. Guess what? Uh, they find a secret passageway, they go down and leave a team up above. They leave the team in a room that they all discovered was a sacrificial place. Where else would oh, they Oh, wow, leave this them? is what ancient, ancient humans were uh, willingly sacrificed themselves here. And they discover, huh, interesting. There's like a, a, a there looks like their chests are open. And the guy's like, yeah, that's, you know, they'll take out their heart. And this mercenary lady's like, that's not where the heart is, homie. Also, it looks like something came out of their chest. I'm like, why are you still talking here? Why are you still in this place? This Run. so much of watching Prometheus because every, <laughs> every movie in that whole series is just watching a bunch of people do things the whole time you're screaming, don't just go away. Why are you still here? Why are Please you, leave. What is, what is happening? You don't need this. You can leave. You have free will. Yeah, so they triggered something when entering the pyramid that actually defrosts this giant ass alien that has a humongous sack. And as it defrosts, it is producing like a freaking factory line of eggs, of, of face huggers. I don't know what they're called, the technical term. And uh, the upstairs group of people, um, and also fun fact, this pyramid, because it was... Actually, I'll give you the backstory. So the whole point of this pyramid is the fact that every hundred years or so, the predators come. So they actually came, built the pyramids, uh, and they described Earth as a backwater planet But at that point, which, you know, fair. Um, we were useless human beings centuries ago, th thousands ago, whatever. And so they're like, here, technology, here, look at all this lovely fire, whoo, all of these lovely things. What I'm going to have to do, though, in exchange for this is for you, five of you guys to volunteer to, like, host our enemies so they can crack out of your chest so we can have a bunch of teenagers prove that they're men now and hunt down those aliens and we're like all right cool that's set fair unfortunately what happened is the aliens produce too many aliens and they're parasitic and so they're like ah oh, shit there's too many aliens and so they have a fail safe where they blow up the entire area and essentially made that entire human like civilization in the Ar Antarctica because at that point it wasn't snow yet uh just pure genocide just murked it so that it wouldn't inf inf like destroy the entire planet of just alien parasites and so that's what the pyramid is the pyramid actually shifts like it's some freaking Hogwarts house um and it's constantly moving like surprise every 10 minutes and so they find out that they get locked in the bottom room and the people at the top get locked up and they get to be host to chest busters which is fun um and the entire movie alexa woods is like trying to survive and one by one everyone's being killed by both the predator and the alien so they meet the alien so we get introduced to the alien 30 minutes in at this point we already met the you know predator when they're like yo why are there humans in our hunting grounds and then an hour in is when they meet the predator um and actually no that's when they meet yes so they meet the 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 they've been between 30 minutes in and an hour and they've met the predator but the scene the scene that is the greatest scene of all time is when the predator is about to murk a human being i think it was alexa yeah alexa about to straight up impale her and then the alien's tail impales the predator and then brings the predator up to the alien. And then, poof, you have the amazing poster moment in which the predator and alien are facing off. And I'm like, yes. The, the classic yes. Jurassic Park move. Such a Jurassic <laughs> Park move. And then um, at some point, uh, as people are dying around Alexa, she realizes, oh, th where's this is essentially a prison. The predators are the wardens and we took their guns. Because guess what? These greedy ass... Uh, <laughs> humans were like look at these lovely things we're just gonna take it and we're like don't take it <laughs> and so they took the gun and she uses that to say friend enemy of my enemy friend and so her and the last of the three predators uh team up to just lay waste to the aliens and it's just amazing now is it a particularly scary because aliens gives like a more horror bot like body horror horror element to it and so a lot of people i will say this got like 20 percent on the rotten tomato score when i say it is rotted on that it is um are they right no they're wrong um but it was so 
it's but the predator series is also kind of like an action adventure type of feel to it like is it you know it also depends on like how dark your soul is like i don't mind people getting impaled um so for me it's action adventure <laughs> if that's a problem for you then it might be a little more horror but a lot of like criticisms of the show or the movie is the fact that it's not like scary enough it's not interesting enough but listen when my again i'm gonna spoil the hell out of this alexa survives she's the only survivor she gets to have her face mutilated uh because that's how you indicate you're a warrior um but she uh, is now part of their crew or at least an honorary member they give her a fun little staff because the rest of the predator army people came down her the survive the last uh predator that had helped her ended up dying and good thing he mutilated her face because they knew she was a friend they're like yo you know in exchange here's a staff we out so they go and they blew up the the pyramid and so they go up in space and it actually ends with the predator that had died having an alien inside of it because it had a moment in the movie in which it had you know made love to its face um and no one noticed and um yeah it just busted right into out of its chest in the predator's ship um and so there is a sequel to this i have no memory if i've seen the sequel i probably will watch the sequel now that i know it exists but um the sequel like uh references that i will say i'm upset that sana La- uh, lathan is not part of the sequel when she what? is yeah why i don't know she's clearly proven her manliness to oh, the predators 100 percent makes no sense also uh it's probably due to racism because as you, yeah. in your past episode you guys did talk about nicole bahari who was the best thing about Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, let's pay you less. And she's like, no. But this was like a great crossover. It was, I think it, it did a really good job at balancing. Cause at the end of the day, you're balancing the greedy humans who've come in with the predator and then with the aliens. And so you've got to have a nice balance of, yes, we want to kill humans, but we also need to make sure that predators are being murked that aliens are being murked, right? Just sharing the destruction all around. Exactly. Um, Some positives. I didn't realize how much I'd be into the aliens' teeth. They have bomb-ass teeth. It's like, (laughs) it's like nice and straight. You have like a little fang action going on. It's like white clear-ish. It's like stunning against its like black skin. (laughs) Oh, so nice. I'm like, I tweeted it yesterday. I'm like, they have nice teeth. Um, negatives. I do not appreciate the Predator having dreadlocks. I'm sure it's been a conversation that was had, but I actually looked it up to say why they had, like, to see why they had dreadlocks. No real good reason. But, like, so many posts were like, oh, it's to, like, offer balance and, like, so that, because they're also very stealth and they become invisible. It's like, oh, when they become invisible, it's to help with the electric, like, electric, uh, electricity Mm -hmm. situation. And, like, that's just bullshit. You saw dreads and you thought this was cool. This is very cool. I'm enjoying this, this dreads moment. And I'm like, no, don't, don't do that, please. Cause it's a very the, like 90s-esque, like early or like late 80s move for them to do for sure. And, and at first I thought maybe it's not dreads, maybe it's like tentacles, but these people actually put like nice beads in their, yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, it's fully dreads. It's like yeah. fully like the thing you put in braids. Like I actually have some and I'm like, no, these are dreads. They're, what are you talking about? But no, I, I adored Alien versus Predator. Will I watch the other franchises? Probably. I've been inspired. I actually rewatched it just for this podcast. Um, but it, I will not rewatch Prometheus. I refuse. I can't. I, I don't mean, think I can do fair. it. It is absurd. <laughs> I actually, okay, like, even though Alien versus Predator sounds like Scientology propaganda to me, I love... <laughs> Alien, like Alien the franchise. <laughs> and I absolutely love Predator the franchise, even though, like, obviously problematic elements. I still haven't seen Alien versus Predator. I don't know why. Like, it just, like, never, like, I just, like, I saw the title. I remember seeing the trailer and I was like, no, this isn't going to happen. I watched Freddy versus Jason and that did not end well for me. So <laughs> I can't trust this. I this can't believe you said so that now. good. I'm watching this tonight. Now, I, know, I can't I... believe you said the Scientology thing because before this podcast, I was like, I don't know how I, I don't remember how I felt about Prometheus when I watched it. <laughs> so I looked it up on Twitter. I'm like, surely I talked about it. And the first tweet I saw was me saying, 
word for word. So basically, Scientology is believing in things you find in Prometheus or Stargate SG-1. It literally. <laughs> I heard, as soon as you started talking about pyramids, I was like, this is Scientology right now. I can tell you right now, somebody in this movie, connected to this movie, is like, I'm a Scientologist. I'm going to just slip this in. Is Tom Cruise in this? I need to look. I'm looking it up right now. No. Um, There's no way. No. You never know. <laughs> Okay, I am intrigued. I mean, like, I'm definitely going to watch this movie now, and I'll probably watch the second one, too. (laughs) Oh, right right after this recording, I'm going to watch the sequel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But Prometheus is such a fever dream. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about, because you walk out of it, and it's not like you can say whether you like it or not. You're just confused. Because it's like, how much information did you need me to have going into your big action blockbuster that I didn't have at the end, I was like, who made this? Like, it feels like it's only made for Elon Musk and no one else. This is just wild. <laughs> I also, like, I remember watching Prometheus in theaters, and I was confused the whole time because I was like, this is a very, like, quiet action movie, if you I know what I mean. I can't believe we all watched this in theaters. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was I like... theaters with my mom. I was horrified. <laughs> I've never seen this. Shocked to no one. But, like, Michael Fassbender, Charlize Theron... Idris Elba, who, excuse me? What was the paycheck for this? Actually, that's a reminder. I guess that's why we all went to watch it in theaters. Yeah, yeah. That now it makes sense. <laughs> you said Idris Elba, and I was like, oh, that's probably why. <laughs> 2012, this came out. I'm sure sh- I like, got no the recollection. Only person, the only person I remember is Michael Fassbender, and he played a big role in, into why I'm not sure if I like this or mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> and also, this is like pre, like, this was pre his like abuse allegations, right? So, like, yeah. oh, geez. Everybody was still into Michael Fassbender at the time, so everybody's like, "Oh, Even, I saw honestly, Hunger." Like before that, it's, it's just weird. within the context of that, like his character. I'm like, was like a uh, uh, was a big reason why I'm like, why why am I here? It's his. How did I get here? It's his Nazi boy <laughs> hairstyle. It's so blonde <laughs> and so like combed over to the side that I just can't. There's also just something about him. Like, he's also one of those actors, like, you watch yeah. 12 Years a Slave, and you're like, yes. no, you're, t- you're too good at this. He's too I don't close to this. snapping. That is my opinion. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know that this is acting. Like, if I watched other things with you acting, do I feel like you're this strong of an actor? Mm. And I get that vibe from him every time I see him in anything. Mm. I will say I hate that I love him as Magneto. I will say that. Mm. I no. hate that I love that him as Magneto. That was the original, like, that's how I even know him. <laughs> Yeah. Great, well, great pick. I love that we all have plans tonight now after that. That's how good that was. Yeah. We are all going to be tweeting each other being like, watching AVP. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and what an excellent choice. And uh, now I'm excited to see, Nat, what did you pick for your crossover? I mean, mine's going to be probably the shortest pick of this episode for sure. It's a single episode of Archer, the TV show, as in the like adult cartoon, spies, all of that. And it's the crossover episode from season four. The very first episode, it crosses over with Bob's Burgers, which is my all time favorite cartoon. Because it's a show about nothing, a family doing nothing, just having a restaurant in Canary Wharf, I think, doing their thing. It's funny. It's hilarious. I love the family. Whatever. This episode, it's called Fugue and Riffs. It's done in Archer style. Hey guys, this is editing that cutting in. Uh, The audio just cut out while I was speaking here, so I'm just going to explain what I was saying. I said that this is Darden and Archer's art style, but it starts with Bob's Burgers, as in Archer is Bob from Bob's Burgers at this point in the episode, and... The funny thing is, is that both these shows don't have a network in common. So really the only thing that they have in common is the voice actor that plays both Bob and Archer. That's their only similarity. And that's why they, I guess they did the crossover for fun. No questions asked. Nothing else. Nobody else really crosses over. It's just Bob. He's the only thing in common between these two shows. Nothing else matters. And so he's posing as Bob, but he's not an original Bob. He's step Bob. (laughs) as I call him, or Archer Bob, because adopt Linda's children, which like Jean, uh, Louise, and Tina, but but as their stepfather. So he's still called Bob, but 
he's a totally different Bob and he kind of looks like Archer, but like, and he has no memory of his life as a spy. This The episode starts with the KGB walking in. And what I love about it is that instead of like from the intro of Bob's Burgers, there's usually like a, a pest control van that rolls up in front of the restaurant. Instead of that, it's the KGB that rolls up and they're not exterminating pests, they're exterminating Bob. <laughs> so it's like, oh, the perfection, the detail to this is so good in this crossover. And they're coming in and they're like, we're here for you. And he's like, I don't get it. <laughs> Like, first of all, they have to make fun of their accents. He reacts to them automatically. He has no idea what he's doing. He doesn't understand why he knows Russian. Linda is freaking out. Oh, they did have the the actor, the voice actor that plays Linda in there. So it was it was extra good. She was just like, what's happening, Bob? <laughs> like, what are you doing? And this whole thing is like absolutely nuts because like you're so used to seeing Bob's Burgers in such like a friendly setting and like right off the bat the first 30 seconds there's blood all over the kitchen bob has just like archer bob has literally just like shot a guy through the heart with like a can stuck in his mouth like it's just it's wild it's wild it like from the get-go and of course it's freaking hilarious because all of the jokes that are layered in that are from bob's burgers are actually done in the style of archer jokes and archer jokes are always like referential they have to do with like spies with government with policies and all of that and so like bob's burger longest running joke of course is the burger of the day or the burger of the week and in archer <laughs> i believe it was oh, i have it written down here the burger of the week was the thomas elphinstone hambledurger with manning coleslaw which is apparently a reference to thomas elphinstone hambledon of the foreign office which is a protagonist from like a spy novel by an author named manning coles so the manning coleslaw <laughs> and so like that right off the bat you're like oh my god they have it down to very small details like that and like he starts responding obviously automatically and then he's like oh they keep telling me they keep telling me i'm archer who the hell's archer who's this asshole named archer and he's like i'm gonna go figure it out and so he, he robs his own restaurant <laughs> basically he like takes all the money he's like i'm gonna go figure out who this ar ar archer asshole is and he just like runs off with the money he's like first i'm gonna take a spa day <laughs> the integration between the two is so good because this is a very archer move to do not a very bob move to do <laughs> so archer goes to the spa and that's where like his team from isis at the time poorly named because <laughs> isis wasn't really in the media then so like isis as an international security something something for spies or whatever they are trying to like slowly give him back his memories and like of course again in archer style it doesn't happen slowly what happens he's like why are you here are you the kgb and immediately he gets hit over the head and he remembers right away in the heat of action in the middle of a battle so it's just like it's insane like there's no like slowing down with the show or this episode it's just really really fast paced which is like jarring compared to what bob's burgers would be where it's like slow paced and like easy jokes and that sort of thing but yeah it's never really explained <laughs> one of my favorite things about this episode never really explained what happened to the real real bob belcher he just disappeared <laughs> Nobody knows. We don't know what happened to his family. We don't know what happened with the restaurant. He warns his, like, new stepfamily that, like, oh, we, you can't stay here. The KGB will come and kill you. Never explored. It just, like, leaves it at that. He remembers everything. He joins, um, what's her name? What's, uh, Aisha Taylor's name in the show? Lana. 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 He joins Lana and just, like, leaves and that's it. <laughs> and, like, of course, like, it's not in actual Canary Wharf. It's in New York, like, where their office is. But, like, it's done so well. <laughs> that, it was such a great episode. My favorite crossover of all time. I highly reco, if you, so you're listening to this and you've never seen it, look up the, just, like, look up Barbara's Burgers Archer and then look at the images. Because yeah. the most unsettling thing in the world is the animation styles for the children done in the, like, Archer animation style. Yeah. I'm like, oh, there's a reason there's no children in the actual Archer show. <laughs> because the three of them, I think it's uh, uh, Tina in particular, it looks yeah. so weird. Yeah. <laughs> you look at her and you're like, oh, she's like a little adult. It's weird. And I will say, like, shout out to Archer, because that show's been on forever. But they are, were a good show that was like, oh, we're an animated show. We're going to last a really long time. Characters never age. Things don't last very long. So, like, they actively have gone out of their way to, like, change the theme of the season so that it doesn't feel stale. And, like, I will say, this is a show that is, like, very good at, like, you can watch seven seasons of this and you can enjoy all of them. And they're all, like, pretty vastly different. Whereas Bob's Burgers is 
just as good, but in that it's completely the same all the time and it's just all very comforting. <laughs> Nothing's changed. I think like <laughs> I don't even think they've moved up a grade at school. They're still the exact same. Sometimes I think they're just very slowly aging, but I'm not positive. But you think I like I rewatched it enough, you think I'd be able to tell you. But like enough things should happen that I think they are, because I think they're in the next grade. Because like they will one thing that they'll do that other animation shows do is that they will reference things that happened in the past. So like they'll reference old episodes. They're like, oh, remember when we last year when we were in this grade? So presumably they're they're getting older. It's just happening at the snail. Where did this air? I've never heard this show. It's um so this was like was it only just the first few minutes before the title sequence where he's like, All right, I'm gonna go find my memories, bye family. So it's not even necessarily the whole episode, it's literally just the opening. So it's the season premiere of season four of Archer. And uh I actually watched it in preparation for this because I did I used to watch Archer and it's so funny. Um and watching this was was a trip. It was, it <laughs> reminded me how much I love this show. It's so funny. And uh, in terms of, it's not on the same network, but a lot of the voice actors of Bob Bob's Burger, so not just like the, the what's his name? John, uh, H. John Benjamin, John Benjamin. Uh, plays both Sterling yeah. Archer, the main character of Archer, and then Bob Belcher in uh, Bob's Burger. But also, there's so many of uh, the, you know, cast, uh, voice cast on either side, they're playing characters for both, uh, which is really interesting. Yeah. And you had mentioned, I'm on like the fandom of this particular episode, but you mentioned, because I remember the, reading this yesterday, um, the animator Simon Chong actually created what you were talking about, the Bob's Burger version of this yeah. crossover. Yeah, Simon Chong. And it was so popular, it actually got to the attention of the creator of Bob's Burger, which led to a jo- him getting yeah. a job. So Simon got a job as a result of that, according to a fan. Oh, that's nice. Wait, I thought he already had the job, no, and it's then he he's, created he's it. just a, a random animator who, a p- result of viral <laughs> success of the crossover, led to Chong receiving a job offer from Bob's Burger's creator, Lauren Bouchard, oh, who so later funny. he later accepted and is currently a director on the show. I literally, I thought he was already on the show and that he was like, oh, don't get mad that I made this. And then they were like, nah, it's cool. <laughs> but that's even better. That's so good. I love that. I love that you guys. I think like my favorite thing about these two shows is that both Archer and Bob's Burgers both heavily referential. They reference things all the time, but they're very, very different things. So like Bob's Burgers is very like pop culture that you would know or like, I think feel I feel like it's more like, 70s to 90s pop culture with a bit of like more modern stuff mixed in and then like archer is very like we're gonna reference books we're gonna reference like really like political things political statements and like it's very like smart in that sense but like seeing that crossover of references and like how much they actually kind of have in common in structure it was so bizarre in this episode but i loved it it was one of my favorites not to go on more of a tangent because episode's already so long uh, but, you know, I can't help it. Speaking of the voice cast of Archer, what I just found out yesterday on TikTok, because I don't live a life anymore, um, <laughs> the voice of Jimmy Pesto on Bob's Burgers apparently was at the, like, Capitol riots, the, like, insurrection, and is, like, a massive Trump supporter, or, or like, I guess, alleged at this point. I don't know if it's proven or not. Like, I just saw this on a TikTok. But this girl, she was like, uh, I, Bob's Burgers fandom, I'm just keeping you in, I'm just keeping you up to date. As I learn more what? about this information, I will let you know. But, like, two people confirmed that he was there. There are other people who are voice actors and other stuff. And, like, he was just... He was there, and that's a thing. So now we're who, just watching. Who thought Jimmy Pesto was exactly like Jimmy Pesto? I, right, like of all the people to voice, <laughs> they apparently picked a great dude for the voice. But now you so, have to get rid of him. <laughs> for those who don't watch Bob's Burgers, by the way, Jimmy Pesto is the rival Italian restaurant across the street from Bob's Burgers, and he's the worst. Like he's the abs. He's just an asshole for no reason. And his Italian restaurant, FYI, it's very much like Olive Garden. <laughs> Except apparently he would be revoking no one's pasta passes. He would be giving out those to the people that were there. I mean, I guess like on that note, Christina, (laughs) (laughs) what's your crossover? 
here's the thing, Nat. You and me, today we're having an in-sync moment. Um, I like that we cave into this and Steph and Yash should pick like a full series that they passionately love and talk like hardly about. And then we went to Alien versus Predator and now we've gone to Bob's Burgers and Archer. And now we're going to get into mine, which is very much in the same vein as those ones. Um, so very popularly, one of the biggest crossover TV show anything is the DC superhero verse um, of all the DC shows that are on like CW and a bunch of other places. And you would think this is a crossover episode. Maybe I would pick the main crossover thing that happened, Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's a massive thing. There are four to five television shows that all crossed over into one series where like if let's say you watch our, um, Arrow or you watch The Flash or Legends of Tomorrow and you like any one of them, you have to watch all of these shows because sometimes you will just casually be watching and you will end up in the middle of a storyline because the way that they do their crossovers is that they'll start the beginning of the storyline in like the flash. And then if you are someone that still watches live TV for some reason in 2021, they'll air all the episodes of the each show in that order. So like it'll continue in Supergirl, it'll end in Arrow, um, and then Legends of Tomorrow will be somewhere thrown in there. But if you're just watching like everyone else does, binging it, you just get thrust into whatever the fuck is going on. You have no idea what's happening. People are pulling from other stuff. Like everything is crazy. And so unfortunately, because at one point I was very into Supergirl and Flash, I had to watch the other shows to be able to understand what the fuck was going on. So everything they were doing worked on me 100%. And it was a massive event. Christ on Infinite Earth is again, like one of the biggest crossover events that anyone's ever done. So many shows overlapping. It's like two movie lengths of time when you look at all the episodes put together. But here's why that's not the best crossover they've ever done. And here's why instead we're going to talk about an episode, two episodes called Duet. These, this is a crossover of Supergirl and The Flash. And the reason that I love this is because I love things that are done for stupid reasons. Like the Bob's Burgers Archer crossover is done purely because the voice actor of both of them is the same. That's it. Well, the only reason that this episode and this crossover exists at all is because The Flash, Grant Gustin, is the actor, was in Glee with the girl who plays Supergirl, Melissa Benoist, who is very famous from her tampon commercials. What? So just because they had... <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. What brand of tampon? If you, if you don't know this, oh, I think it was Tampax. It, it, Tampax are always, if you don't know this, when this girl was cast on Glee, which I'm very familiar with because at the time I was heavily invested in Glee. I don't like myself. I was going to say, no. this is 2014. Um, this girl was... <laughs> Yeah, this girl was known as, when she was cast in Glee, and she was supposed to be kind of like the new Rachel Berry, like the idea was like Rachel Berry was going to college, and then they were bringing in all the new people that were coming to school. So the thought was maybe like they'd phase out some of the older actors. As we know, they didn't do that. They went with a worse direction. Um, <laughs> she was known as, everyone looked at her and she's like, why is she familiar? She's the girl from the tampon commercials. And if you go and look them up, you will remember them because she's like sitting in her like dorm room or something. And she's, I think she's actively talking about how other tampon and like pad commercials are people running around and doing stuff. And she's like, that's not what I do in my day when I have my period. I just have to live my life. So she's like famous, I think, from that. I think more famous than Supergirl, more famous than Glee. She is the girl from the Tampax commercials and or always. It's I literally Tampax. don't even remember the Tampax. Tampax. Yeah. Tampax. Uh, highly recommend checking those out. Don't watch Glee. Watch those commercials instead. But she was cast as Supergirl and Grant Gustin is cast as The Flash. And they're like, oh, okay, well, we have these two musical people. Why don't we, for some reason, <gasps> write a musical episode that overlaps what? between the two shows? And even, and even better than that is that those aren't the only two, like, very musically inclined people. Like, I don't know why stage actors and musical actors end up on so much superhero shit. But it happens a lot because John Bowerman is also in this show. I think... I think it's Arrow that yeah, he's, like, one of the main characters. He's, like he's a, a on Arrow. Um, it's actually been a running joke since Flash premiered as a show because Flash alone has so many people who could sing. So you have uh, Joe West, yeah. who's played by... It's uh, Jesse Martin, who is yeah. Tom Collins. From so Ryan. people have been demanding this. So I was not surprised that it, it exists. 
so happy that everyone was just like, oh, we have all these musical voices. Let's do this. And then, and Nat for sure is going to end up going, oh, if she doesn't already know this. Uh, one of the reasons I love this is because the main sort of plot in this episode is, I believe it starts in Supergirl. Um, I, I And she like ends up, yeah, it starts in Supergirl and she ends up with a fan basically through something that happens. Uh, and it's a character that they introduce called the Music Meister. And he's just in these two episodes. And just as an FYI, just, I don't, the person who plays Music Meister that they decide to bring in is Darren Chris. What? <laughs> what? Okay, now I need to go and watch this episode. I'm so mad. <laughs> The whole reason I got sucked into all this, because I've watched Supergirl previously and I liked it, but I wasn't heavily invested. Same with Flash. And I'd never bothered with any of the others. But when the duet episode was coming out and they're like, oh, Darren Chris is going to be in it. I was like, well, I have to watch this. And then I got sucked back in and I watched everything from all five shows. So I don't, again, I don't oh like Oh my God. <laughs> but what's very important. Oh yeah. I lost months of my life. Like I watched TV very quickly. That took forever. And I couldn't even get to the end of Arrow. That show sucks. Ooh, I'm gonna save my, Ooh. I'm gonna save my thoughts for this until you're done. But I just want to yeah. acknowledge in this moment my complete shock over you watching everything and not losing your mind. Not because of the sheer volume, but because of the quality. Oh, don't worry. I did. It was not a pleasant moment in my life, but I wasn't. I certainly wasn't going to stop. And we'll 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 get to this. Um, basically what happens is, uh, Darren Chris's character, he like falls in love with Supergirl and in some way he's going to like, get, I can't remember exactly how he's going to do it, but he is an escaped prisoner and he's going to get her to fall in love with him or something like that. So he is running away from Barry Allen and he jumps into another universe where she's there. And so he puts them both in this like musical dreamscape. And it's an entire alternate reality where Victor Garber and Jesse Martin are together and they are iris west's dads and it's set in like the 19 like 20s 40s kind of like chicago style where everything is very old and vintage and like it very like prohibition era to like go with all the musical elements that they've put together it has this absurd musical number called put a little love in your heart where everyone from all the shows that are in this episode are singing and there's like a big dance number and it's just when people are starting to realize like are we trapped in a musical but also Barry Allen's character apparently loves musicals. So he's having the time of his life. And the funniest thing is every so often you'll see him and he'll just be like, so excited. He'll be like, oh, are we singing now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> like, are we about to break into song? And then they just have to like unravel all of their interpersonal relationships because it'll and they'll like get rid of Music Meister and they'll put him back in jail, whatever. The plot doesn't matter. There's just all <laughs> of those random songs. And it's just overwhelming in like what is going on because they have such big budget dreams but there's still like a tv show budget and certainly most of their budget has to go to like effects and shit for their superhero moments so not a lot was put into this so most of the episode takes place in this like little 1940s style bar where everyone's randomly crooning and Darren Chris does not do a great job. You know how one time I was like, I think he's a good actor because of the assassination of Gianni Versace. He didn't bring that energy to this, but the show is better for it because it's so fucking <laughs> stupid. The CW couldn't pay his budget. I, oh. oh, but also I feel like Darren Chris is the kind of person that does a lot of things just because he likes to. So I can't imagine yeah. he's expensive. <laughs> Like, I think if you were like, hey, dear Chris, do you want to hang out with Grant Gustin for a little bit? He'd just be like, oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Are they friends? Are they bros? I don't know, but I think he's just I, I want. I need to know. I hope so. I, okay, okay. Question, though. Was it just, like, big musical numbers or were they, like, tiny little, like, did you ever hear anybody else singing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's tiny musicals. I think um, at one point... Victor Garber and Jesse Martin have like a love song together, but it's about their relationship and also about their daughter. Like, I can't remember the specifics. It's been a while. Um, but yes, there's a lot of like, they take a lot of moments where they're trying to tell you, see how many amazing singers we have on our shows. Like that is the goal of this episode. And yeah, that's the energy that you need to bring to a musical episode. Like, I'm super happy with it. I loved it. And Ardo, you're completely correct. The shows are fucking garbage. Uh, Arrow, easily the worst one. That one, 
again, I struggled my way through like four or five seasons. And the only time I was happy is when they would occasionally cross over with other shows. And I'd be like, oh my God, I don't want to look at you anymore. Thank God. That show, I can't believe that show started all of this because it's easily the worst. I watched it as it was airing and I have to stop. I think there was like, there was the season where like they introduced an Asian character and like, and I just like, I like, I was like, this is going to do me wrong. I'm out. (laughs) I was like a huge, like earnest superhero fan. Like that's the worst part. The earnest part of it. Right. It was, oh, I, oh, I can't even, oh. It's so gross thinking about it, but um, I went to <laughs> went to Fan Expo and actually watched the first episode of Arrow before it would come out on I TV. I was there too. Th- okay, okay, I was in that room too. I was at that too. And I left there, I left there going, okay, I think I'm into the show, I'm excited. And the thing about Arrow is, what's aggravating about it is every season starts off with a promise that this will be a good show. And they somehow shit the bed. And I don't understand why. And what I find with the CW superhero shows is they do it across shows. They're not good. They make me so angry. Like, when I tell you, I was furious. Like, there were... I think the first crossover episode was actually okay and good, but there was one crossover episode in which, I think it was like the second one, where it, it introduced like Hawkman and Hawkgirl or whatever. Mm, yes. And that's when I wanted to throw up. I watched one of like or two of the bajillion episodes at that point we only had like arrow and flash we didn't have a thousand shows but it got to the point where i couldn't trust anything greg berlanti produces on the cw in terms of superhero shows i'm like don't touch my superhero shows i tried watching supergirl but i realized supergirl skewed pretty young or its understanding of feminism was so infantile that i thought i'm not gonna watch it like after three episodes i'm like i'm out i can't do it and uh, now I'm upset because Stargirl, which is a really great superhero show that started off on HBO Max, is now being moved to CW. Um, and I don't know if it's still going to be good. I'm going to cry if it's not. But it's that entire world annoys me. Now, with that being said, Christina, just for you, I vowed never to return to this, to this universe ever. I have not watched a single show from these television s- series for years. But for this podcast, I watched Duet. Yes! I watched Duet just for this uh, podcast episode. It was, I, I, it seemed like it, it kind of, t- like, the part that I wanted to see was, like, the Flash and Supergirl together, which you kind of see more on the Flash side of yeah. things in the episode called Duet. I think it's season three, episode 17. Um, and uh, I will say, uh, I did not enjoy it, but to be be fair it's not because of it's mostly because one i do not like musicals for the most part (laughs) i i am so nitpicky about musicals like so nitpicky been hurt there's been shots fired i do not like random ass people singing (laughs) i don't like people spontaneously breaking out into song unless the song is fire And there's like a, like a, like it flows. Like it's not just, but you know what this is? A song. And then they start singing. I want you to sing your way into things, right? So there's like very, like, there's a whole thing to it. I do love the Hamilton soundtrack. Very controversial thoughts on like watching Hamilton on Disney Plus, but we won't get into Mm -hmm. that. Um, I do, I am interested in like the random musicals. And listen, I'm a Disney girl. I grew up on Disney, right? I love me some Disney. Hercules, fire. Uh, uh. Little Mermaid, a lot of people like Little Mermaid. Eh, I thought it was fine in terms of music. Uh, Lion King, fire. Lion King 2? 2? Best soundtrack, okay? <laughs> Phenomenal soundtrack, okay? Um, there are like so many. Oh, like it's Sleeping Beauty, even though it's like very chill. First of all, the most beautiful movie I've ever seen in my entire life in terms of animation and coloring. But the even like the very chill, because I'm not a ballad girl, I'm into it. But uh, for this one, no, <laughs> I was not into it. Yeah, because um, if what you like is songs that make sense or flow into each other, songs that make sense, song that 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 are good. When no. you mentioned, was it a little love or whatever? It's oh called? yeah, that put a little love in your heart. When I tell you that that was the first song, and I'm like, I don't know if I can make it <laughs> to the end. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. But I persevered uh, because mm-hmm. what is love for this podcast? 
it is uh, fandom persevering. <laughs> a little WandaVision. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that is a uh, I don't know if I did that right, but no, it's, uh, it was, but it, I do get, like, there, there are times where the most, the most ridiculous, that's the thing about crossovers, right, at the end of the day, you have crossovers that are, like, really great, really, impl- like, incorporate uh, characters really well, you have crossovers that are so, re- like, the reason why you put them together, because it's a nuthouse, like, it makes no sense, like, Archer and Bob's Burgers, it is the strangest thing I have ever experienced in my entire life, but I had so much fun. And there are cases where it, it'll, it'll split people, right? Christina was in love with Duet, and I was not. Listen, I want to be clear about something, too. I think where the large part of the difference is coming from. I love all musicals. If someone is singing, people randomly a song for no reason. Yes, <laughs> I am here. Sing me your feelings. That's all I ever want. The things you can't say, but you choose to sing. I have no problem breaking with reality to be like, oh, this person just burst into song. I love it. And you get a fire song to go with it. Sometimes you don't get a good music. It's fine. There's a beat. You're into it. You're happy. I love all musicals. So that absolutely puts this up there for me as like, oh, it's wonderful trash. So you're essentially the um, Amy Adams to my Patrick Dempsey. Yes. Aww. Oh, my God. Yes. Our sequel comes out in a little bit, I think. I'm very excited for this. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Also, uh, in terms of the crossover element of the the CW-verse, uh, with the exception of Supergirl, because I think that's technically ABC, if it's still there, I'm not sure. But um, it, it's very reflective of comics. Like, that feeling of, oh my god, for me to understand this crossover, I have to read all of these random issues of series that I wasn't reading before. That is the trick. That is the capitalist trick and ploy that they use to get you to buy more issues. Because they'll have like crossovers where they're not like great for people who haven't been reading other series. You may be reading one series of comics, so like the Batman series, but that now means you have to read Superman series, Wonder Woman series, this obscure group that has its own series that no one outside of comics knows. Like it they trick you because it's so it's for the most part so inaccessible to enjoy the crossover if you have not seen the other series, which is another reason why I resent them. Because I resent comics. But I also, like, aside from tricking you into having to read everything, like, there are parts like Gotham Academy, which, like, you don't have to read everything else to get into. It's just a bunch of teens being weird. Um, (laughs) And, like, having shady things happen to them. It's just, it's very... uh, crossovers can also like be welcoming in a way um but yeah i generally see the point and also like issues are so expensive i do find like when i think crossovers my natural inclination is always to think like fan fiction because like that's my favorite form of crossover usually Mm. um and for those ones obviously you already have that background if you're reading it and if you don't you're like I can get the gist. Like, this is enough for me to, like, pull what I want from it. So, but like, even really good fanfic will make sure that, you yeah. like, you'll know what's happening, right? Because I don't, like, f- I read my first ever fanfic was um, Untamed, character set in the world of SNL. Um, <laughs> I don't really watch SNL, right? And so, but the fic writer is so good at it that they'll make sure that their audience understands. Because also, Untamed, you know, fans are not necessarily going to be... SNL fans but if you do it really well you'll incorporate information which you understand the references and what they're pulling from as well sorry I was gonna say there's also that opportunity when you're when you have like even an AU to like you start from scratch essentially with those crossovers in a lot of cases so you have to build them up anyway like you said so I think that Supernatural and Teen Wolf are only popular because they had so many people write fan fiction who cross over with everything else. Girl and woman out there write her Destiny fan fiction with cast topping. And she's like, oh, how do I make this better? And she goes, I know. Crossover with, and then she just picks a random show that's super popular, Doctor Who. And then now people who are reading Doctor Who fan fiction are like, oh, should I watch Supernatural? And then the people writing Supernatural were like, oh, I'm also going to write a Sherlock fan fiction. And they're like, oh my God, should I watch Sherlock? And that's how you got that era of Tumblr. That was horrifying. And then you got Tumblr. Yeah. I feel cheated because when I was deep in the CW, it was Gossip Girl, One Tree Hill, Gilmore Girls, Vampire Diaries. Where was my crossover episode? Huh? I would have <laughs> With Gilmore loved. Girls and Vampire Diaries? I would have loved. And I think it could have been actually excellent. 
Actually, oh didn't God. the author of Gossip Girl rewrite the first book as a horror book, like a murder book? Did she? Did she? She what? did. Yeah. And I think I read it. I didn't read the original and I read the redo. And it was like, it was pretty good. <laughs> Her own fan fiction? Like Gossip Girl from the lens of like a murderer. Yeah, Somehow of crazy. Actually, speaking of that period stuff, you know what I think we were robbed of a potential crossover uh, between, I think it's called The Circle or something, that the witch show? The Secret Circle? The Secret, Secret Circle? Circle, because isn't it written yes. by the same people yes. who did Vampire Diaries? LJ Smith, yeah. Listen, see, The Secret Circle, when it got canceled, I wanted to like, I, fight someone. I, no! <laughs> I literally yell about this all the time. I think about that show all the time, being like, wow, they ended it on a cliffhanger, and I still don't yeah, know. Yeah. And it was better than Vampire Diaries. It Ugh. was. It was. It was. I'm so angry. Yes. Was there a way more white people than necessary? I mean, so was Vampire Diaries. But I was okay with white white issues. Um, with regards to magic, I like white drama. <laughs> I think it was like there's like a guy. There's a love triangle, of course. Also, one of the the main bad guy, so hot, so hot. I just remember he's like bad. Which I think circles back to the Darkling. Listen, Ben Barth, mwah, uh, I can't wait for it. Do I want him with Alina? Of course not. I want him with me. When I <laughs> ship people, for the most part, I ship them with me. Yeah. And Or I'll ship them with the character who, I, and then I take on the mom role of like, is this guy good for you? <laughs> if they're not good for you, but I like them, I'm going to take them. I love it so much saying what we're all thinking though um <laughs> that yeah. honestly that was my well we just did our, our episode about best couples that is my main attempt to people that ship uh jess and rory on gilmore girls it's just you want to date jess because sometimes that's Absolutely. why you ship things because you're into them but you're not at the level that you're gonna go on wattpad and write like a your name fan fiction where it's about you you want to be a little bit more no, like, no, I'm more evolved than that. So I'll make the character, the character from the show, but I'll change the personality completely. So it aligns with what I like about myself. Like a true parent, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy we can have all this. I have one last thing to say about the whole, I hate that it's called the Arrowverse, but that's what it is. All these random shows. I also have to also just like defend myself a little bit in terms of how they end up sucking me in is the people that they cast. Okay. Because the reason that I started watching Supergirl in the first place was because they they cast Tyler Hecklin as Superman to be in like an episode where her cousin comes to visit. And at the beginning, they were all very like, we're never making a Superman show. The show's not about Superman. It's not going to be about Superman. We've just hired this guy to come in. But because they did that, they hired the, they made the best Superman version of TV and movie that has ever existed ever. Tyler Hecklin is the perfect Superman because he's a fucking dweeb. Like, he is such a little <laughs> nerd and he is so hot and he, like his ass looks great in the regular pants and in the costume. He's got baseball butt! I, we he have does, to talk about the way that the baseball has shaped his ass, okay? Because it's very important. It makes him amazing as both Superman and Clark Kent. And then... He got. He was in so many episodes that I was like, oh, I'm just watching so many episodes because now he's going to be in them. And they're talking about having him have his own show now. And the premise is terrible because he's already married to Lois Lane and they have a kid and they have to go to fucking, I forget what the name of the planet is, L something. Um, and I think they have to raise the kid there now or they can't do it on Earth. I can't remember exactly, but the point is like he's a dad. And I think this is going to be really bad but I really like Tyler Hecklin. I ship myself with him as well. This episode has covered so many topics and so many things. We have been recording for <laughs> 109 minutes, which I'm not positive how many hours that is. I know it's more than one. So this has been magical. I am so happy to have had you guys on this episode. For all of our listeners, please make sure that you go check out Put a Blurb on it, especially if you like this. This is the, what you have in the future. These connections, these tangents, these, oh, we were talking about this and this is where we ended up. It's perfection. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. It's been genuinely excellent. Thanks where for can joining. people find you too? Thanks yeah, for this having was us. Like a dream come true. Uh... <laughs> Thanks for letting me take over with my feelings on Six of Crows. Anytime. Um, we are at Put a Blurb on it on pretty much everything. Yeah, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we have our uh, uh, blog, put a blurb on it.wordpress.com, where we, you can also listen to episodes there, but we also have links to where you can see the books we mentioned. Uh, what else? Where else? Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. 
And on that note, you can find everyone and their sister at EatsCast on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can also now leave voice notes for us on Anchor. There's a link to that in our, all of our bios, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Nat set it up. Which is a terrible thing, only because now you've given me power to interject when I have things to say. When I got your one about the man from Uncle, I was so excited because even as we ended the episode, I was like, I feel like that made it seem like I didn't like that movie. And that's not true, really. That's not the spirit. So I was so happy. And then you're going to tell me that you can't like duet. Like, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) All right. Well, thank uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week on Everyone and Their Sister. Bye. 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 Oh, listen, if you guys want me to talk about John Wick, that's all I'll talk about. Best Keanu Reeves movie. But nobody. Is John Wick. And it makes sense. It makes sense. The reason why everyone connects with John Wick is because John Wick is like peak like 2020. Okay? We're tired. We're tired. We're tired and yet we're expected to do our jobs, to live our lives. And despite the fact that we're tired as shit. Imagine, imagine someone t- uh, like like dumping your starter for your sourdough <laughs> in the middle of the pandemic. You too will take out your box of weapons, your ancient random ass money, hop in a fancy ass car with your mask because we want to be safe as we go off murking every single <laughs> Please let a whole John Wick movie happen with with just like him masked to be like a fabric one that like a grandma handmade oh you know? even better no, no, no. the one that. that the tailor makes and it's also bulletproof <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and he's got a, he's got a double mask so when he takes it off to be dramatic there's another one underneath just to be safe <laughs> and then he says and then he says i'm not out here to get the uk strain but i'm out here to cap some ass <laughs>